Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, it's Glenn James. This message is being played at the start of all podcasts that Simo Interactive produces. It has come to my attention that there was a licensing issue with the music that we were using for our shows. And until that issue is resolved, and it might take a couple of weeks because I'm overseas at the moment, I've just decided out of an abundance of caution, I would stop using any music until we've resolved the issue. So if you are new to the podcast, you probably won't notice anything different. If it's not your first time, this is why there is no music in the episodes at this time. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Millennium Money Professional. My name's Dev Raga, and I'm your host. And in this episode, we will specifically discuss the Dunning-Kruger effect and how it really does affect people's finances. Let's get started. Now, if you want me to discuss a specific topic, or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or Facebook. For those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three main aims, education, empowerment, and entertainment. Now, I've covered biases and how they affect your investing. But in this episode, I really want to focus on a specific cognitive bias called the Dunning-Kruger effect, and how it can be very relevant to your personal finances and investing. So what is the Dunning-Kruger effect? Surprisingly, this cognitive bias was only really explained by, unsurprisingly, Dunning and Kruger in 1999. Basically, the bias is people who have low levels of skills, knowledge or experience often overestimate their own ability and knowledge in decision-making. This then leads to poor decision-making and potentially leading to poor outcomes. And we've all met that person in real life. And likely, we've also been in that situation ourselves. Basically, it's when people just don't know what they're talking about and just don't know what they don't know. And they kind of think they know it. Kind of like when politicians, perhaps, try and explain healthcare to the electorate without actually knowing how the healthcare system works in practice. This happens all the time. Now, the opposite of the Dunning-Kruger effect is called the imposter syndrome. This is when people actually know what they're talking about and have significant level of skills and expertise and knowledge, but often underestimate their knowledge, their ability and skill set. Now, let's use an example to highlight these principles. Amy is a nurse practitioner who's currently working full-time. She's also a very savvy investor by her own definition and experience. She estimates Australia will head into recession, which will result in a property market collapse. This also will lead to a stock market downturn over the next few years. And as a result, instead of staying in the market, she converts her superannuation position to 100% cash. Amy is trying to predict the stock market and future returns and has made the decision to stay invested only in cash, which is almost always over the long term a losing proposition. Now, Amy is not an economist. She's not a professional investor. She's not a policymaker nor is she an accountant, lawyer, or a financial advisor. She's a clinician, a good one, but she seems to think she knows everything and exactly what will happen when it comes to Australia's economy moving forward. 
So what does the Dunning-Kruger effect mean? Now, there are thought to be three or maybe four main causes. Number one, the lack of metacognitive ability. Number two, regression towards the mean. Number three, the distribution effect. And number four, the lack of incentive. Let's look at each one of these in more detail. Number one, lack of metacognitive ability. This means when people acquire a skill, part of that is also to know the limitations of that skill. But during the process of acquiring it, they've not had the metacognitive ability to know their limitations, so they tend to overestimate themselves. And how do you know you don't know something if you don't know much? So basically, people don't know their level of incompetence. And it also turns out, even if some people get trained for a skill, they still don't know the limitations of that skill set. That's lack of metacognitive ability. Number two is regression towards the mean. This is when you plot the graph between the perceived self-ability and actual self-ability. You can measure this objectively. For example, if you ask people to estimate their IQ, it's no secret they will likely overestimate their actual IQ. This is called the better-than-average effect. I mean, some people do it when they're driving. I don't because I'm actually a better driver than the average person. But when you got the plot, the graph, it kind of reverts back to the mean and the variability narrows. Number three is irrational expectations. This is similar to the regression to the mean phenomenon, except now you're only comparing yourself to others of low skill level. Suppose you have a low skill level, but rate yourself highly, but you're comparing yourself who are also relatively poorly skilled it tends to give a false sense of security. Ideally, your skill level should be measured against the gold standard. And number four, the lack of incentive. This is when participants simply want to look good in the surveys or studies conducted, so they often overestimate themselves. What's the incentive for them to provide real or accurate information? This is one of the problems with studies or surveys. Having said this, Giving financial incentives has been shown to not improve the outcomes of the studies or surveys. And this comes to the vital point. If you were to graph the competence versus confidence graph, you'll come up with a U-shaped graph. And this means the people who have little competence often are the ones that are overconfident. And generally, as competence increases, the gap between the actual ability and perceived ability narrows significantly. In fact, in 2008, there was a study that replicated the original findings when they did a grammar assessment. The lowest quarter results was 38%, but those people expected to score 60%, so they overestimated themselves. The middle quarter results was actually 61%, and those people expected to score 72%. Notice the gap between the perceived ability and the actual ability is now narrow. And number three, the upper quarter results was actually 85%. And again, those people only expected to score 75%. Still a bit of a gap, but it was not too much compared to the first quarter, which was 38% actual ability and people expected to score 60%. Now that we've learned about the Dunning-Kruger effect and that I'm an excellent driver and likely am better than almost anyone listening to this podcast... We will take a quick break, and when we come back, we will see how this leads to bad outcomes when it comes to money and investing. Be right back. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, welcome back. This is a relatively short episode, but how does the DK affect people in business and entrepreneurship? Now, in business, it's becoming increasingly common to provide more niche services. This requires more and more specialists within the said business. This is especially true in tech companies. The problem then becomes they have little specialty in other areas which they may need to have some basic understanding. Now, there's this over-concentration of people in the know about the niche topics, but not much else. And this creates a silo effect within the business where outside influences just don't get in and, of course, sets them up for a disaster. Now, when you think about niche things, this is kind of what's happening in the healthcare industry right now. You don't really find true generalists anymore, although, you know, that might be an overstatement. What I'm saying in the metro areas, at least, you know, to have someone that does a bit of everything and is competent at everything from a specialty level Those people do exist, but they're dwindling. Medicine and healthcare is becoming increasingly subspecialised. Think about it. If you're a general surgeon, you might have a subspecialty, whether it might be hepatobiliary or colorectal or endocrine or breast. If you're a physician, you might be a cardiologist and that too, a EP physiology cardiologist. Or you might be an interventional cardiologist that specialises in coronary stents. You might be a cardiologist that specialises in hypertensive medicine. If you're a GP, we see a lot of GPs even, sub-specialising, whether it be in emergency medicine, anaesthetics, obstetrics, urgent care, skin, cosmetics family medicine, integrative medicine, lifestyle medicine, travel medicine, pediatric medicine. The list is endless. So we are becoming a very subspecialized healthcare industry. And as a result, one of the problems is you don't really have a generalist. So then you get kind of bounced between specialties. Now that has its advantages because you have experts in that particular specialty. But we all know that we need someone, a generalist, to be able to tie it all together. And a classic example that I can use in healthcare, and if you're non-healthcare related, just bear with me because this will hit home, is when someone presents to you with chest pain, 
we automatically think cardiac. But we know that chest pain can be everything from cardiac to aortic dissection to pancreatitis to pneumonia to respiratory issues to gastric issues to anxiety and other metabolic issues. So that's one of the problems of protocolized medicine and subspecialized medicine. And that's one of the benefits of having a global, holistic and generalized view. And you can see how the DK effect can creep into the healthcare industry as well. We are sidetracking a little bit, but I think it's very, very important to understand these concepts uh, in your industry. And I'm sure there's a lot of industries where the DK effect is happening right now. Now, how does it affect the investor? We see this all the time in people who think they're experts in finances. I mean, Amy changed her entire superannuation portfolio based on her expertise, she thought, that she had in terms of predicting economic outcomes in Australia over the next sort of, you know, 12 to 24 months. Ironically, I'm not a financial advisor or planner, but I'm randomly talking about money concepts. So this can be misconstrued as me being an expert. But I never really talk about individual finances. I mostly talk about concepts and principles. I don't talk about specific index funds or specific things or shares or companies, which is risky because I'm not an expert in that. But when you talk about concepts or principles, you don't really need to be an expert to understand it. And that's the way that I've structured my podcasts. Some of the common mistakes made by investors uh, and, you know, when it comes to the DK effect is number one, stock picking. Number two is analysis of companies. Number three is predicting market trends. Number four is failure to recognize risks. And number five is ignoring expert advice like a financial advisor or a financial planner. Now, let's use an example to highlight these principles. Amy is a dietitian and is currently working full time. She's been maximising her concessional contributions to a superannuation fund for the past 10 years. This has been for the period of 2008 to 2018. She has noticed a nice uptick in her super. And as a result, she decides to put more money into the super into the same investments as she has under the previous 10 years. At the end of 2018, she notices her superannuation fell by 6% in that year. She made the mistake of recognising that a super was upticking was due to her expert investment decisions over the past 10 years. But it turns out anyone who invested during the time of 2008 to 2018 did reasonably well. So Amy wasn't a super investor. She just rather rode the natural bull market cycle of the stock market. And in the last 12 months, she's lost 6%. It's a good example of Amy thought that she was an expert, but actually she wasn't. So how can you avoid the Dunning-Kruger effect? There are three things to look out for. Number one, practice humility. Number two, self-assess and reassess. And number three, take on feedback. Let's look at these things in a more detailed fashion. So number one, humility. This is not just in finance, right? Just practicing humility and being humble means you get to become an expert all the while knowing the risks and also the potential downsides and knowing what you don't know. Now, when I talk to people about money, I make it very clear. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a financial planner. So I know my limitations. When I'm seeing patients, I tell them I'm not an expert orthopedic surgeon. So I can't provide all the intricacies of orthopaedic care. 
but I can direct you to people that might be able to provide that service. Now, in investing, humility is really important. And this is very true for beginner investors, but also for all levels, including experts. In fact, it's the expert investors who often fall into this trap of doing random things when they start getting too confident with their abilities based on their returns, which would have happened anyway, like in Amy's scenario, had they just chosen an index fund or something more broader over specific time periods where the market's just gone up anyway. So I would put humility as the most important trait for any investor. Number two is reassess and self-assess. This only happens with time and experience, and unfortunately, to some extent, making mistakes early in your investing journey. The last thing you want to do is to make mistakes when your portfolio is worth a lot of money due to the outcomes being drastic. So if you bought a share or company stock and it went broke, when you only invested $1,000, that's way better than doing the same mistake when you invested $100,000 or a $1 million dollars. Knowing your limitations and self-assessing your strengths and weaknesses enables you to understand the unknown and also know your level where you don't know much. What you don't know, you must know. Otherwise, you end up with the risk of being a Pied Piper phenomenon. The other thing is, you've got to stay in your circle of competence. If you don't know something, then don't try to pretend to know it. Learn about it, understand it, and then invest it. And this comes to my fundamental principle. I only invest in things I understand and know. So if you're an accountant and know nothing about starting a medical practice, then don't do it. If you're a nurse and want to invest in cryptocurrency and don't know what nodes are or blockchain technology is, then it's not a good idea at all to invest without actually learning about it. In fact, just stop investing in crypto. Just don't do it. It's rubbish. Y'all know my feelings on that. Number three is seek feedback and let go of your ego. This is really important. Have a look around your workplace or personal life. Do you find people who have way too much ego and think they know everything, whilst you know exactly what they don't know? You try and help them, but they don't care. They don't seek help. They end up doing stupid shit, which you may have to clean up. Try and seek feedback when it comes to personal finance. That's always a good strategy and investments, so you don't make unnecessary mistakes on a repeated basis. Widen your knowledge base, accept help. If you look at some really wealthy people, they almost always have a mentor, someone they look up to and seek advice and counsel them. Now I'm nowhere near as wealthy as some listeners to this channel, some in their well into their 10, 15, 20, 30 million dollar net worth. And I always find it very surprising they still listen in because they contact me. And I kind of feel I should be listening to them. And sometimes I do. And I'm very lucky and privileged to be able to tap into that resource when and if I need it. So that's about it for this episode on the Dunning-Kruger effect. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using, or leave a five-star rating on all of the platforms. That's even better. So please leave a positive review. Now, on that note... We got a positive review from Pinky2626, who titles, My preschooler calls him the money man. This podcast has been the soundtrack to my work commute the past two years, and I thoroughly enjoy listening to it each week. Even my four-year-old is a keen follower, as it helps mummy make more money for me. Thank you. Now, Pinky2626, thank you very much. That's a positive feedback. And I think getting your kids listening in on the podcast at a young age... 
That's absolute gold star effort there. So thank you very much for listening in and uh, thank you for calling me the money man. Now, the more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to the podcast. So please keep them coming. My name is Dev Raga and this is My Millennial Money Professional. And remember, apart from me being the best driver of all the listeners out there, hint, hint, make sure you stay safe. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license for five. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One, two, eight, nine.